Welcome to another episode of Whiskey and Mash. Welcome back to this week's episode of Whiskey and Mash. I am Chris Pullman. And I am Gloria Ackerman. And this week we'll be talking about Season 7, Episode 17, Bade. B.J. Papasan, and Season 7, Episode 17, Inga. <laughs> Inga. Inga. I think I have to say it that way. You Inga. If you didn't, I would have been upset. Because that's how Hawkeye says because, it. Because, right. Yeah. Uh, B.J. Papasan. It's basically what you think it would be. B.J. Um, is very homesick. He gets a letter from his family, and his, his actual words were, I'm homesick and depressed, but... In an hour or so, I'll just be homesick. Yeah. So he goes to help a family, a Korean family, and falls in love with this family. In fact, obsessively falls in love with them. But these children, I don't see how you could not fall in love with them. They were like, here's a gift. And he's, he mm. said, you don't have to give me a gift. What? They're like, no, we can't pay. Oh, What yeah. gift was it? Her doll. Her doll. Her like, doll. Like her, her one... one toy. Yeah. He came there to help their family... Because the dad, is it dad or grandfather? Dad, he looked I think. awful old, and they kept saying dad, but... I think it was dad. Yeah, he yeah. had pneumonia, a very mm-hmm. bad case. And they needed yeah. him to go into the fields and do the work to survive. Yeah, he walked soon? No, no. not for some time. But the kids just fell in love with him, and when he gave the doll back to her and said, you know, you have already given me my gift. Mm-hmm. And I think he needed this at this point yeah. because he had gotten that letter from his wife, and he's yeah. missing his children, mm-hmm. or child, Aaron. Did he have one or two at this time? Just, just one, Just Aaron, yeah. And um, just needed this. Someone that needed him. Mm-hmm. But... Between that and work in the hospital, he was obsessing. He was actually bartering for stuff to give this family, bribing um, Zale. And well, that's not, not like him. Not bribing Zale. Blackmailing. Blackmailing Zale to yes. get stuff for this family. Mm-hmm. It's just he left his character because he wanted to help this family so badly. And we'll talk about what happens to the family at the end. But also a general, General Marion... Brigadier General Marion Prescott came, yeah. and he was I'm having impressed. quite a time there. He came yeah. in with, I'm not sure if it was broken or sprained, his foot. Was I think it, just sprained, because they so were just going to... they were walking on it. Yeah, and he was just going to, they were just going to put an ace bandage on it and let him go. And, and every time that he was about to leave MASH, something else happened. He yeah. sprained his, or broke his wrist. <laughs> <laughs> Radar's bees got out, we'll talk about why radar had bees mm-hmm. um, and stung him and apparently he was allergic because yeah yeah so every time so at the end well we'll talk about the end at yeah, the end I, but it was kind of you know yeah along those lines I'll say that this was a pretty busy episode it, I mean you there was had, a lot of stuff happening you had an A plot and a B plot but then you had these little other subplots I mean there was um was you it know, at the beginning of this one where Charles was sprucing himself up for a date. A date. I know. Charles went on a date. And they don't really touch on that again, but it's there. Right. I was surprised by that, too. He yeah. was listening to his music. Hawkeye was very offended. And mm-hmm. he kept saying to 
to uh, BJ, don't you have ears? Can't you hear him? Yeah. He was singing. Charles was singing. Yeah. In a yeah. good mood, sprucing himself up with the whole, you know, face, that shaving stuff. I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, like combing out his hair, which his was one hair. rather comical. Yeah. It looked like he was trying to comb out a bozo, sort of. But, yeah. Uh, there so was that. And did there were... bring to thought who in the world would he be going out on a date with? Well, and they mention it, don't they? Where it's like, um, he found somebody who. I'm trying to see if they have it in the notes online. I think it was somebody who he said was like from Harvard. I think he found a Harvard girl in MASH at some point. Someone he dang worthy. Come and go in MASH. So, mm. you know. We never meet her, but he talks about the fact that, you know, she's she was from an Ivy League school, and apparently that was close enough to his standards that he could lower himself. So he out. leaves, and in comes this young girl saying, well, actually, Radar. Came, Radar brought her in. And said, we need a doctor to come help this family. Mm-hmm. And BJ basically said, I could sit here and mope, or I could go help that family. That's how... Yeah. <laughs> and the girl was hilarious. She's like, "Come now, come now." He's I'm, like, well, I'm coming way. as soon as Let I can in a moment. No, come now, come now. Yeah, and, yeah I, mean, I guess was, I'm going. She was. <laughs> we'll see you later, Hawk. <laughs> she was not shy. Yeah. But it was for her father because yeah. he was so ill, coughing up blood. They had said mm-hmm. so. They knew it was pneumonia before he left. So he mm-hmm. brought the sufficient things, the pills that they needed. Probably some shots of, um, I'm guessing it was something like the gamma globulin. The It was sad because someone mentioned, well, we passed all that stuff out to the families. They was, should have had it all. They're like, they I, don't take it. I, I think it was Charles who said, don't we give them sulfa? Yes, but they sell, sell it for some... food. Right. So, you know, it just shows the poverty mm-hmm. when they sell their medicine for their food. One. Well, you know, think about what we've seen with these locals. Um, there was the episode where BJ first showed up where the field, because it was a nice open field where people would walk through, was mined. So then the farmer was sending his daughters through oh, to clear yeah. mines first so that it would be safe for the ox, which was worth more than the daughter. Um, then we see... Uh, th- then you think about... You know, just at the end of this episode, um, just briefly, the the family moves. You always see these families moving further south to try away to get try away. to get away from the fighting. Which remember, from our perspective, Mash is pretty static, but it's not. It moves. It's mobile, and the front of the Korean War for the first couple of years moved a lot. I mean, at one point, the Allies were almost forced out of the Korean Peninsula until they. Until um, the U.S. showed up and pushed back and then got it back to the parallel. But so these families have to continually move or they will be in the middle of the fighting. Which they were in this episode. Right. So they, they can't, even if they plant crops, if they keep moving. You can never harvest them. So, yeah, yeah not only are they in poverty, but they can't grow anything. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to get ahead when you know that you're only going to be there for a very short time. Yeah. Which is why all the black marketeering and why yeah. all the, how else are you going to support your family? I never really yeah. thought of that, but it yeah. makes so much oh, sense I, when we're talking about it now. You know, and it, 
in my mind, I think that this was probably... Well, I can't say that it was harsher than World War II, but you think about it, and it's like they can't go east or west. It's it's a peninsula. Right. <laughs> they, they can't, you can only go so far. It's not like you can just go to France and then Spain and get out of the country. You can't. You're stuck. You're there. They had to deal with it. That had to be hard for, for the Korean people. But uh, less of me commiserating with... with their plight and more about the episode yes <laughs> it was funny because again clinger oh my gosh i'd love to know where he gets his outfits he yeah. dresses so great oh. Oh, I, he makes them i he's, know he's he has a he has a little dress. he has a little pedal swinger sewing machine he had the most gorgeous pink skirt on with a hat that it was <laughs> i just love clinger's look oh and that line <laughs> He's pitching his outfit to the general, who at this point has a broken wrist and a foot. And the general just goes, it's not going to work on me. If it didn't work for my son, it's not going to work for you. I almost died laughing when he said, it didn't work for my son, it's not going to work for you. About face, soldier. <laughs> oh, yes, sir. <laughs> and then what was Klinger singing when he marched out of post to help? Cause he he was he was marching, but he's like, all the pretty girls sing a melody as he's marching, and Hawkeye just opens the door and like gives him a little head nod. Oh my goodness, Clinger! <laughs> but he was trying, you know, he pulled his stuff to yeah. get out of the war, and yeah, of course, didn't work. No. Now to radar. Mm -hmm. He was growing a bee farm. Now, does he do anything for himself? No. no. He was doing this bee thing so that Colonel Potter could have honey for his tea. Because he missed honey in his tea. So yeah. he ordered the queen bee and a few other bees and he was going to start a little beehive colony. Yeah. Yes. Um, I thought that was kind of a neat idea. Yeah. That's something you could do and probably remove it, I wonder. Yeah. Well, there you yeah. go. So, um... But one of the bees <laughs> did escape. Blitzen. <laughs> its name was Blitzen. I don't know how Radar knew, but it was Blitzen. He knows as, his animals. As they're wheeling the general out. <laughs> He's finally going to leave. For the third time. <laughs> and he's going out and all of a sudden there's a bee and it lands and it stings him on the back of the neck. Ah! Are you allergic? I don't know. This is the first time I've been stung. And apparently he was, because within seconds, it was the size of a golf ball. <laughs> Feels like a peach pit. <laughs> well, back into the shop, Hawkeye says, and turns him around. <laughs> and then he talked about having a personal physician. This is where it did. It was complicated, this episode. Well, was. okay, yeah. It, before the bee sting, after the broken wrist, Charles is doing his best to, you know, like, you should Smooth. really have... No, it would be good to have a bone cutter up at the front. The front? <laughs> he thought he was going to be no. like his last general where he was his personal no. physician. Okay. No, no, I was thinking I would wait for you back in, say, Tokyo. <laughs> what good would you do me there? <laughs> so then, then he started pitching for Hawkeye to be yeah. his personal physician. <laughs> Somebody who lives in the mud, who excels in the mud, like... Captain Pierce here. Lots of noodles. He hands off this bowl of chicken noodle soup to Hawkeye to feed to the general. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there was so much going on in this episode. There, there was. And I, I like that because it 
it's not just character development, but it gives you more development for the camp, I guess. Right. You know? But, yeah, um, what, what else is there? I think the last thing was, um, when the general finally <laughs> does get discharged, <laughs> he's leaving, and all of a sudden, the tire on his Jeep blows. He's like, go, go, just keep going. He's like, I, I <laughs> But the tire. The tire. I just don't care. go. <laughs> and Get they, me out of here. Yeah, like the inner tube on the tire blew, and it was hanging out between <laughs> the rim and the actual tire, and they just, yeah. Just get me out of here. Mm -hmm. And then Hawkeye did say, well, get him to the front, because I think he's safer there yeah. than he is here. <laughs> oh, the, the other thing, though, uh, um, before that, BJ, to wrap up his story oh, yeah. in this episode, was... he was having radar check on Cho Duck, the family's son, who got drafted, and radar managed to find him, and he was in a unit 60 miles away, but then when, <laughs> before the general got stung, radar did his thing and got the general to sign a transfer order to get Cho Duck transferred to a unit in Weijambu, so that he would be near his family so then after you know there was this big shelling they go running out to the hut to let his family know and what do they find an empty hut not only an empty hut but an empty village the vill yeah everyone moved they had to move because of the shelling mm -hmm. but i think it was the best thing for bj he got to be a father for a little while but if they mm -hmm. stayed there he would have been no good to anyone. No, because I agree. He would have kept trying to take care of this family, and it would have... Because BJ is who he is, he would have tried to take care of all the people there. And Right. And you can't. You can't. No. You can't. We all see heartache every day. And mm -hmm. You have to sometimes... You take care of what you can. Yeah. But you can't let it get too much to be a part of you. And, and he was. Right. So unfortunately, this is... You're right. This is how it had to turn out. And, you know, he was rightfully sorrowful that, Hawk, they don't even know that their son's alive. But that's... That's how it is. That's how it is. Yeah. Anything okay. else? No, what... Um, they, in, in the MASH wiki, mash.wikia.com, they point out uh, that General Prescott is played by veteran character actor Dick O'Neill, who previously appeared in Season 5's 38 Across. He was the Admiral. And would appear again in an 11th season episode, each time he played a different character. And speaking of uh, General Marion Prescott, uh, when he first comes into MASH, Colonel Potter comes up and he goes, Do I know you? I don't think so. Were you in World War Two? Uh, yes. I knew you looked familiar. <laughs> uh, yes, General. Potter goes. And I think, actually, was Marion Prescott the general who got the lieutenant to come to MASH? The, the one who was parading as the private who sent the bad reports about Potter to i earlier know. in the season? I'm going to have to look that up. I kind of think so. Or was that a colonel? Might have been a colonel. Goodness, I should have looked that up ahead of time. I apologize, okay. listeners. Uh, <laughs> I you, you can tell me that I did a horrible job of not looking this up ahead of time. 
by going over to our website, narclanning.com, N-A-R-C-L-A-N-I-N-C.com. Go to the podcast. I know, but I'm saying it now. Go to the podcast link. Go to the Whiskey and Mash page. On there are two links, one for Facebook and one for email. Click either one. Uh, Go to the Facebook page. You can send a message to our Facebook page, and I'll get it, or directly... Use the email link and I'll get it. And tell me how horrible of a job that I've just done not looking or this up ahead of time. what a wonderful job he's doing <laughs> by putting all this together. So, uh, about this episode, though, to close it out for us, guest starring Dick O'Neill as General Martin Prescott, Shizuko Hoshi as the Korean mother because, you know, Japanese. Oh, That's yeah. close to Korean. Uh, Chao Li Chi as the Korean father. Johnny Hamer as Sergeant Zomozale, Stephen Kep Mills as the General's aide, and uh, Mariel Aragon as Kim Singh. Yeah. The production code was T402, so this was the second one produced in the season. Uh, the writer was Larry Balmagia, and the director was James Sheldon. The original air date was January 1st, 1979. Next up is, as I said, I think this breaks my top five episodes. Um, I knew what it was. As soon as I heard the name, I'm like, oh, yeah. I yeah. know that one, and I like it. But yeah, th- this is either my fourth know. or fifth favorite episode behind uh, Goodbye, Farewell, Amen. Uh, the one where Radar leaves, and Abyssinia Henry. This is either fourth or fifth, or maybe tied for fourth. It is Inga, season seven, episode 17. Basically, we have the Swedish doctor coming from uh, the Swedish hospital unit, and they were trying to rotate as many people, as many doctors, through different hospital units in Korea as they could as quickly as they could so they would go around do short stays and then keep rotating to try and get as much experience as possible coming to the four double seventh was Dr. Inga Halvorsen and uh, she came to observe and to try to impart whatever her knowledge whatever knowledge she had to the four double seventh Hawkeye tries to work his magic on her it doesn't quite turn out, and we actually see a side of Hawkeye that I find refreshing for the character, just because uh, the rest of the time he is very Don Juan, I guess, and this this kind of puts him on his heels, so it's nice to see that to me. Uh, and then um, also we see her get to step up Inga's a one-off character but we get to see her step up and we see the other characters reaction to how she handles herself at the four double seven uh, apparently in life yeah and at the end of the episode she leaves Hawkeye's left with um, some thinking to do <laughs> and that's about it really I mean it's it's written Written and directed by Alan Alda, if I'm not... And I guessed that before oh, no. we even... It's not? No. Uh, oh, director, okay. writer, Larry Balmagia, director, okay, James I Sheldon. Just... I would have thought that it was a Hawkeye episode. It just seemed like a Hawkeye episode. Yeah. So, okay, I guessed incorrectly. So. Me too. I would have thought <laughs> Alan Alda. But, because it was a very Hawkeye-heavy episode. 
and um, let's talk about it. The I, I think what... I mean, the very beginning, it's Hawkeye getting ready because here's a Swedish woman that's coming. I mean, he's shaving. He's in the shower. He is preparing that, for a Swedish woman. And that is... Uh, oh, yeah. He's singing in the shower, and BJ and Charles come in, and BJ turns to Charles and says, See, I told you it was human. <laughs> but it Hawkeye's going on about... I am lust, I am passion, I am sex itself. And BJ just holds up a towel and goes, I'm not undressing until he leaves. <laughs> but the what really encapsulates this episode to me is the first interaction uh, after their first time in a war together, when Inga comes back to the swamp. And it's... Uh, one of the times where I said to Laura, "You have to watch this." Oh yeah. And Inga, uh, part of the part of the conversation was she uh, grabs Hawkeye's hand and goes, "You know, the way that you, I'm I'm sure I'm butchering a Swedish accent. I'm I'm sorry." Um, she goes, "The way that you see ears is how I see hands. You have good surgeons' hands." And then uh, she pulls him in for a kiss. And he just, I, the, I replayed it for Laura because she wasn't in the room the first time. And I watched Hawkeye the whole time. And I think Alan Alda did a really good job of just playing Hawkeye out of his element. Because all of a sudden, he, he, says. he wasn't leading. He wasn't leading the encounter. It was Inga. Because she pulls she him. him. She, she pulled him down. She. And then is the most poignant line of the whole episode in my mind and do you know what i'm talking about yes hawkeye's response and so he they're kissing and he pulls away from her for a second and he says i have it written down go ahead tell me who, when you dance who leads and i just oh knowing this was coming i was watching laura's face and her I, eyes just <laughs> and it's like because no. be, right before this episode what made it important i think is two important things hawkeye tried to persuade pursue her mm -hmm. and she wasn't having it she was like no i'm here to talk about surgery then in yeah. surgery she took the lead on the surgery yeah and ended up showing everyone and you could watch hawkeye you had pointed mm -hmm. this out directly hawkeye and her were doing surgery together and he slowly backed up as well, other he, people were coming around to watch her he literally got pushed to the back right so what she was doing was so inspirational that everyone wanted to see and everyone wanted to learn from mm -hmm. her and you could watch hawkeye slowly get pushed to the back mm -hmm. so then margaret really reamed out <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, Hawkeye. And yeah, in, in the mess tent afterwards, they were talking, and uh, I think it was BJ and Charles and Margaret all saying, well, you, you did not take that very well. And he's like, oh, I didn't mind that she's a doctor. I really don't. It's how she did that. And Margaret started going off on him, and they went out of the mess he's, tent. He said, Margaret, can we go outside? And then he's like, Margaret, how dare you talk to me in front of the, all these people? I have and, to work with them. And... She's like, I can replace those wonderful lips of yours with a soggy piece of liver after she... Yeah. So she said all things that were very nice to him. Like, you know, you think just because you have a wonderful, great body that you can mm -hmm. take advantage. And for once, women know more than you. And you have to... Yeah. What she said was very true. She said it, I thought, in mm -hmm. a very nice way. 
he took it very negatively. Well, he... He didn't believe he's that way. <laughs> yeah. He didn't... He, I, he I wish I could say something. Off. But yeah, no, she was right. That is the character of Hawkeye, which... But he didn't see her as right until no. later. No. Well, I... Yeah. <laughs> um, un, until the point where... Um, Charles is in post-op with Inga. And they gave this patient penicillin, and he's having a severe reaction. And Charles wants to give him a tracheotomy so he can breathe. And Inga says, no, this is just a severe reaction to the penicillin. We need adrenaline. And she overrules him. And, and Charles, the nurse listened to her and not yeah, him. Yeah, and then back in the... Charles was professional, at least, afterward. Not during, but afterward... He was professional in leaving. He's like, thank you for helping. And then in the swamp, he pitches a little fit. He just goes off on, how dare that woman and the nurse. Listen to her. Yeah. And um, Hawkeye thinks that he's talking about, I'm guessing, either the nurse being Margaret or the woman being Margaret in Charles' little tirade. But uh, Hawkeye walks over to Inga's tent. And on the first, he said to Charles exactly what Margaret had said to him. Mm -hmm. and Are you he... speaking of me? No, <laughs> I'm talking about me. Me. Right, and then he's walk... as he's going to Ingrid's tent, he walks past Margaret and said to her, you had just given... Or a good, great... good job good telling job off. Good job telling off, yes. Winchester. Winchester. And she looks completely befuddled because she wasn't there at all. <laughs> no, but... He used her words to tell off Winchester, but oh. he finally caught them. I never looked at it like he that. He finally went, oh my gosh, she was right. You know, I always looked at it that, I, I always thought that he thought Margaret was in there telling him off, but now I see no, your point. No, he used her words that she gave to him to get to Winchester because he finally oh. realized, oh my gosh, what she said is true. You know, that makes a lot more sense to me now. And then he walked past Margaret and said, you just told off Winchester. Mm -hmm. And then went in and was able to have a wonderful time with Inga. That, makes, that makes a lot more sense to me. Thank yeah, so you was, for that. Yeah. It was all a big circle. Mm -hmm. of... Yeah. And yeah, it. but I really do love this. And if for no other reason, you look at this episode and it is very empowering, I guess. Um... Because Inga is, it's not like she's, yeah, you know, it's not like she's burning a bra or anything, but she is what you said. She's, well, she said, I believe um, I hurt your feelings. She said this to Hawkeye, but my father trained me to always think of the patient first mm -hmm. and um, something else last. And, and, right yeah, there. probably um, um, professional. Courtesies, and courtesies last. Mm -hmm. So, And Hawkeye said and mine Hawkeye too. And Hawkeye says, my father taught me yeah. the same thing. So, you know, a man doing what she had done would have been spectacular. Well, and she says that when Hawkeye first comes into her tent at the end. You know, why does it have to be so hard for a woman? I, mm -hmm. If a man was doing this, it wouldn't be a problem. Why does it have to be so hard? Because right, she's just trying, she's very intelligent, very mm -hmm. skilled professional. Yeah. But she's a woman. And I especially love the fact that it's Hawkeye. I mean, it has to yes. be Hawkeye. I think that's but, what makes this whole 
Just because if you understand, Alan Alda is a feminist. He says this in his books. It's if you read anything about him, it's very clear. And um, in his character, in his first uh, memoir, "Don't Have Your Dog Stuffed," he talks about the fact that it was hard for him to play Hawkeye at first because he's not this person. The, this person, Hawkeye, is very antithetical to who he is. And then to see this episode where it it it's the feminist part of him that he gets to explore but he has to play the bad guy in it right i loved it it was it, that's what i love about it is it's so empowering and it it does bring out these issues of why can't inga be treated the same she is a doctor she yeah. she had she this trained with the best she has these technique techniques that she brings to the four double seventh that even hawkeye admits later you are years ahead of us mm -hmm. with this she should be respected but yet, she's coming to learn more yeah like she's mm -hmm. there to learn more on combat surgery yeah but you know all studying the, combat surgery but take it all together she's not respected because of her gender right why and I love, we're still dealing with those issues and I, yeah and i know? love that point i love that point i love that this episode is in mash and this was the 70s i yeah. mean and it's still going on today mm -hmm. so which is unfortunate which super unfortunate i just like like i told laura on our first date <laughs> i i said this when we were walking through the fox river mall i i said i don't understand why there are women's issues because it should just be human issues. There should not be men's and women's. Why why aren't we all just the same? I don't get it. To me, it doesn't make sense because I'm a feminist. I don't understand. But that's rare in these days. Look around. I know. So, But that's why I love this episode, is I can yep, connect can with connect. it. Right. <laughs> so, um, just to me, it's a very empowering episode. I love to see uh, what's in there. Oh. I have to mention that too, right at the beginning. Um, when Inga arrives, Klinger greets her. Oh, yes. Okay, because, yeah, I have that written. I forgot. Yeah. I had so many notes that I just... Me too. <laughs> I have twice as many notes for this one as the last one. <laughs> Klinger greets her in his best dress because, as we remember, he says too, he needs three doctor signatures to get out. Um, and she says, I think I can help you. Really? Oh, he's yes. thinking, you know, the I have signature. a colleague in Copenhagen who can do a sex change surgery. A what? Really? What's that? You could finally become a woman. You mean take a knife and, and cut <laughs> me? Yeah. You're crazier than I am. <laughs> and he didn't walk away. He ran away. Yeah. Hawkeye came out. Here you go, sir. You can take over. I am definitely working the wrong side of the street. <laughs> I'm so glad you mentioned that because oh my I, goodness. I have it written down. But because you've got to bring Klinger into it somehow. <laughs> and it's so great. Oh, um, Great episode. And I do really appreciate how it ends. And that's where you, you see literally and figuratively Hawkeye coming to terms with not leading. Because he goes to... Like you were describing, he goes to Inga's tent, and 
She's trying to teach him how to do a Swedish dance, but, of course, she knows it. He doesn't, so she has to lead. <laughs> and so it goes back to that first interaction that they had after after their first surgery together, which was... If you're going to dance, who leads? <laughs> and in this case, it has to be her. And Hawkeye finally lets go and lets her lead, and then he goes, This is fun. But then choppers come in, and it's back to reality. And, 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 and she has to leave soon. So he said, I wish that we had time to come back so you could lead again so I could kick myself because I wasted all of this time. Yeah. Because he wasn't very graceful at being a no. <laughs> the follower. I stepped on my own foot. foot. <laughs> yeah. but, but they do leave literally hand in hand saying, well, at least we can be partners one last time at the operating table. Right. And that's really neat. And he learned a, a lesson that he knows in real life, I believe, but yeah. his character learned yeah. a good lesson. Thank you, Margaret, again. Small yeah. part for Margaret, but huge words. Yeah. Um, so some fun facts that they have on the, on the wikia. Uh, just mentioning that the professionalism of the MASH crew is evident. Because, again, when she starts talking about this, like you had mentioned, um, uh, Charles comes over to observe Inga in, in their first OR appearance. Margaret pulls over Potter and BJ... Uh, he couldn't. He said, "I can't see." So, mm -hmm. can you, you know, describe what you're doing? Yeah. So they all want to learn from this right. woman doctor, and it's great. Uh, another one of Mash tributes to other countries participating in the Korean War. We see the the Swedish doctor come over. There was actually a Swedish hospital established in Pusan, and it remained there until 1957. Uh, long after the war ended. Uh, Inga at the end mentions that she's being reassigned from the 477th to a hospital ship. Uh, the Swedes actually didn't have a hospital ship. There was an Norwegian hospital ship. But Normash, that Norwegian ha uh, wait a minute, the Norwegian contribution was Normash, a MASH-style field hospital on which the U.S. uh on the U.S. pattern was staffed with Norwegian military personnel. So, there was that. Uh, I'm, I'm just reading through these. The David Scott one. David Scott, yeah. David Scott different mentions in his book that Alan Alda is writer and director. Well, see, there it says writer and director. director. Right. But it's not the same in the credits. Because this did feel, like we said, this yeah, felt like, an, felt Alan like a, an Alan Alda one. Um, Alan Alda, as writer and director, dedicated this episode to the memory of Sister Elizabeth Kenny, the nurse whose experimental procedure for treating polio victims he credits with saving his life during his childhood. Cool. So that's really neat to me. Uh, oh, this is kind of neat, too. At the... <laughs> oh, okay. Memorable quotes. A, a few of these are good enough to go through. When Inga first arrives in the swamp, Hawkeye mixes some red whatever with <laughs> with the still juice and he pours some for Inga and gives it to her and she sips it. I love wine. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Potter, uh, uh, when he, after the old, or after Hawkeye uh, strikes out with Inga, just remember, 
there's a right, right way and a wrong way to do everything, and the wrong way is to keep trying to make everybody else do it the right way. I also love, uh, at the end, when Margaret is trying to get oh, Hawkeye to go yeah. to see Casablanca, Hawkeye, first of all, says, I don't think I'm strong enough to hear a Swedish accent for a while. Of all the gin joints and all the towns and all the world, she had to walk in her mind. mind. I have that written down, too. And yeah. then Margaret finally drags him off, and arm in arm, I assume, I was looking down at my notes at the time, he says, you know, Louise, this could be the start of a beautiful, beautiful relationship. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was neat to see Hawkeye and Margaret. So he stole that from Casablanca also. Yeah. yeah. Um, production code was T420. Ha-ha! <laughs> 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 light up if you got it i guess um so according to the episode notes writer and director should have been alan alda as we mentioned on the wikia it actually has something different i'm gonna credit this to alan alda because it seems like very it did you know and again because he was a feminist i would expect this episode of alan alda original air date was january 8th 1979 oh and i forgot to mention guest stars recurring cast Mar Mariette Hartley as Dr. Inga Halverson Phyllis Katz as a nurse Mark Favre as a patient and then uncredited appearances by Kelly Nakahara and Shari Saba so there you go great episode yeah and again I for me not one of my top fives but I love it yeah to me if you're going to watch five episodes of MASH, this is one of them that I think you should see. Granted, without background on the characters from the other episodes, and oh, yeah. background on the actors, I don't think you get as much out of this as I do. But this is in my top five for sure. Um, and yeah, BJ Papasan, I, I think that helps to really... That one has a lot going on. You have to yeah. pay attention. And it, and it, again, it not, it not only strengthens BJ's character, but then that of the entire camp. Right. So. Because um, nobody was afraid to tell him either. You're going too far. Yeah. Every single one of them said, enough is enough. Mm -hmm. Let it go. Mm -hmm. You but can't he... save everyone. But that's who BJ is. Right. Right. As a person, he wants to save the world. And... But as a camp, I'm just saying, they're not afraid to let each other... Yeah. know their faults and their mm -hmm. positives. So. Mm -hmm. oh, I agree. Well, um, okay. again, you... like I said in the middle of the episode, narclining.com, uh, go to the Whiskey and Mash page. You can contact us there. If you like this episode and you want to hear more, you can search for Whiskey and Mash on iTunes or your favorite podcast application or head over to Stitcher Radio. We're on there as well. If you don't do the podcast thing but you still want to listen to our back episodes, head over to narclining.com, go to the Whiskey and Mash page. You can find all of our back mp3 episodes they're available on the page to either download or stream either way they're there available to you if you want to help support this podcast if you think that we've done enough uh, a good enough job that you want to help support us help us spread the word about this podcast help us get a larger audience share this podcast this episode all the episodes with a family member a friend a co-worker a friend somebody who you think would enjoy listening to us babble on for about 45 <laughs> minutes or an hour, give or take. Thank you for listening so much. Thank you for tuning in week after week for those of you who do that. Uh, 
follow us on Facebook so that you know Sorry. when Gloria's watch goes off. <laughs> that means that Time since it is December, that uh, an angel has earned its, its wings. wings. Oh, yes. <laughs> hey, did you watch that last night? <laughs> no, okay. no, I was watching the Polar Express instead and picking it apart because that's what I do. Ooh, that could be a new podcast. Let us know if you want to listen to me pick, pick apart, apart all your favorite <laughs> movies ever because I oh do that gosh, very well, name, apparently. Okay. Um, thank you for tuning in. I will stop now. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. I'm Chris. I'm Gloria. Take care. Tom does that same thing. You cannot go to a movie with that guy. I, so um, you do that. Yes. Remind me to not go to a movie with him. Yeah, you. ask Laura. I was ruining the Polar Express <laughs> for her last night. I'm like, why would you have tracks underneath a lake? That makes no sense to me. This was after they went down the 179 degree grade. That I had no problem with. It was the tracks <laughs> under the lake. That was the part where I'm like, that's bumpkiss. That shouldn't happen. That's... I'm horrible, I'm sorry. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs>